Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Where He Leads podcast. I am Amanda, and here with me is... Uh, this is Ryan. Hello. Good. Your name didn't change. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so we are back, and we are going to continue the conversation we've had the last two episodes and actually wrap up this first mini-series on our character study of Peter. So the last two episodes, if you've been following along, um, and if you've not, go back and listen to them because that's the beauty of a podcast. The first episode, we talked about Peter um, through specifically in the Gospels. So the Bible books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in uh, last week's episode or episode two, we discussed um, Peter's life after Jesus ascended to heaven, as it's um, discussed in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And today, we are going to venture into Peter's writings. So that is the epistles, which is a fancy way of saying letters. Um, and that's first the books of First and Second Peter in the New Testament. I love the way you said fancy. You kind of said like fancy way. That was good. I like I like fancy. I say fancy yeah, probably I too like much. The, I feel like the Shirley need is coming out of you. So that was good. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, yeah, we're looking forward again when we started this this study on the when we say character again, we're saying character lightly. We're not saying character is like a, a fictional character. We're just saying more of like we're studying the the person of Peter. We are looking at more of him and his story uh, to kind of help us get a better picture of how God used him to speak to the church, to speak to us so that we can get a better understanding of it. And today we're kind of wrapping that up by, uh, we're going to finish up, tie up some loose ends that we've mentioned in some of the first two episodes or in the first two episodes and talk through uh, what we can see through Peter's writing, specifically first and second Peter and how they tie back to some of the things that we've already talked about. And uh, also talk about kind of what we know of the end of Peter's life as well. So we're going to hop in again first and second peter they're very short letters uh they i mean first peter is five chapters but pretty short chapters and second peter is three chapters they're short uh, in word count not in content for sure for sure uh but but they're definitely uh doable to sit down and read both of them in a very uh short time frame depending yes. on how much you want to dig into some of the nitty-gritty of it all but um when you think of reading this, these letters and you're keeping the context of Peter's life, certain things hop out, jump out to you that maybe don't jump out to you if you're not thinking of Peter's life as a whole. Um, the first thing that I'll kind of get us started and then Amanda and I will kind of just see where the conversation goes with some of the other things we have written down here. Uh, but we, we talked about specifically in the first episode of how Peter was such a kind of stubborn, he was bold got Jesus helped transform his boldness into a way to be used for the glory of God uh, throughout his life. Uh, but throughout all of the Gospels, Peter was very much, let me show you this, Jesus. It's kind of like that of a kid would be, look what I can do. Hey, look what I can do. I can do this. I can do this. That was kind of Peter trying to show his worth and value to Jesus, whether it was, oh, I can walk on water or uh, I won't deny you uh, or whatever it may be. He very much was you, you see themes of Peter trying to prove himself 
And then when Jesus speaks to him at the fire, you kind of see Jesus's message of grace to him of Peter, like, stop trying to prove yourself to me. Like, I have done this for you. I have made you worthy. Now go feed my sheep. Go do this. But remember the grace. And you see in first Peter chapter one, verse 13, you see result of years later that it's finally sunk in, sunk in on Peter. And I'll read here. This is in the ESV version. But it's chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Peter's telling the church in modern-day Turkey, to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I think that's so cool when you think of Peter's life. It's such full circle because Peter is he's not saying set your hope fully on trying to be enough or set your, your hope fully on showing that you are the top disciple or showing that you can do miracles or you can do this or you can do this. He's saying, no, set your hope fully on the grace that will be shown to you, not the merit that will be shown to you based on what you've done, but the grace that will be shown to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the grace giver. He's the salvation giver through the work of what he has done. And uh, I just think that in, in, in picturing Peter, it's very easy to just read through that scripture. But when we're thinking of the life of Peter, it's such a wow. Like, it's almost a reminder, too, of like whatever Jesus is working in you. Like, I mean, I'm quoting scripture here, but he is faithful to complete that work that he has started in you. He was faithful to complete it in Peter. And if he was faithful to complete it in him, then he is faithful to complete it in you as well. For sure. And the difference that you were pointing out there with um, from uh, verse 13 there, which set your hope fully on the grace that will come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's putting all the glory and all the honor where it should be, which is on Jesus. And that is the difference between working um, humbly and working and serving and out of where we should be versus um, doing it out of pride, which is for our own glory or for my joy or for my, and, and those things like joy is not a bad thing. Like all these things are not bad, but it's where we, the perspective is so important. If we're doing it for our own sake, then we've missed the point. But if we're doing it for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of God, then our joy and all that are byproducts and it, they come out of the overflow of and in the order that we it's intended to be. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Tim Keller said once um, that any good, when any good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. Um, and we have to make sure that just because, just because things shouldn't be placed as God's doesn't mean they can't be good. Right? Like God created all good things come from the Lord. But God says, I alone and to be worshipped. Uh, and when we are placing him where it needs to be uh, at the top of all the all these other good things that he's given us can become even more good. Uh, so, yeah, yes. like the perspective has to be in place. Uh, I, I want to make sure I jump back before we kind of dive even more to Peter to first Peter, give you a little context. Uh, the book of first Peter or the letter um, rather was more than likely written from Rome around 62, 63 AD under the reign of Nero, the emperor. So the Roman emperor, um, if you know anything about Roman history, that dude was crazy. Uh, and he was not, 
good to Christians. There's a huge fire that happened in Rome. He persecuted tons of Christians. Uh, more than likely, we're pretty sure Peter died of persecution from Nero in Rome. But I just want to focus on this first. Like Peter was a fisherman from a small town in northern Israel, which was under Roman rule. Um, probably in, I don't know, Jesus' ministry started around 30 AD, we think. Um, so Peter started following around that time. 30 some odd years later, he's in basically the center of the the modern world at that time in Rome. Like, look where his, it has taken him. Um, and from Rome, he is writing this letter to Christians in what is now modern-day Turkey, because uh, that was very much where a lot of the church grew into. Um, so, yeah, so that's a lot of the context of First Peter. And um, there, there's so many things we can hop through here, the things that point us back. Uh, I think uh, Amanda made a really cool reference here that I hadn't really seen before, but in ch- Chapter 2 of First Peter, it talks about a living stone and a holy people where Jesus, where Peter starts talking about how Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Well, Peter named, Jesus basically named Peter Rock. And, yeah, and back here in Matthew. In First Peter, Jesus is, Peter is saying, yes, he is the rock. Uh, I just think that's neat. That was a cool thing to pull out. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Jesus kind of in some way told Peter who he was, like that rock. But then Peter, like over time and through, you know, his relationship with the Lord and the Lord changing him, realized that anything that is of me is not its source is not in me. It originally comes from God, from the true stone, from the true cornerstone. Like, yeah, again, it, it, the source of all goodness is God himself. And we've just got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And he's, he's talking to, again, remember, I hope, I hope I'm not getting too all over the place, but like when we're talking in acts, I, I hope we're able to realize kind of the, the craziness of this was not a Christian world that Peter and Paul and the missionaries were going into. This was a world that was very much uh, influenced by Greek and Roman civilization and therefore influenced by Greek and Roman gods. So when you're thinking of like movies and Disney and of like Hercules, Zeus, those were reality of what many of these people believed were gods. And this is the world that they were going into. And um, they're going into this this world, this culture and proclaiming Jesus and the Holy Spirit is moving and people are being saved. And Peter, who was a Jew, Jews and Gentiles didn't necessarily get along. This was a part that Peter continued to struggle with throughout his life. But Gentile meaning non-Jew. For sure. Not non-Jewish people because Jesus used Peter and Paul to go out, specifically kind of Paul, I guess you could say, to take the gospel to non-Jewish people and say, hey, you all are now brought into the kingdom of, as well through faith in Jesus. But I think it's so cool in First Peter in chapter 2, uh, verse 9, you have this uneducated uneduc- man, Peter, who still knew the Jewish faith and the Jewish stories. He references Hosea when he's calling these people who they may have been Jews, may have not. He's probably writing to some maybe Jewish exiles who are now Christians in this area. But he's saying, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you, mo- that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So as Amanda said, the whole purpose of us is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. But then he says this here in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
that is like word for word from Hosea. Like there was literally a child called not mercy. It's like, but now you are called received mercy. And first Peter, this common fisherman now, like he's such a teacher to these people and pulling out context from the old Testament of saying, yeah, you used to just be this, but now you are this through Jesus. So and don't forget that Peter had lived that. Like absolutely, if, if remember in Acts, he was in front of the Sanhedrin, and they—I uh, think it was the Sanhedrin—and they were saying, like, pointed out that they realized that these were uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. Yep. That is not what he just Ryan just read there in First Peter is not a typical statement from somebody is who is uneducated. And that's not putting down an educated. It's just he's grown. He, he's continued yeah. to grow in the understanding of the gospel and understanding of Jesus and the word. And when you say Sanhedrin again, that's more of like that was religious leaders in that time. Yeah, the so Jewish like re- Jewish important people, the Jewish religious religious leaders were like, who are you, Peter? And Peter's like, great point. Who am I? I am one who I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ who is called to proclaim his excellencies. Not me, him. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know, Mandy, you've got some other things here you want to mention of things that just kind of jump out at us from First Peter uh, pointing back to his life. For sure. I mean, and, um, there's so much. Like, I was noticing in um, the second chapter of First Peter here that there was um, this little section where he talks about being subject to the Lord's sake to the government. Yeah, that's comical considering his past. It, exactly. Like, I almost got tickled when I read it because... It flashback when Jesus is arrested in the garden. What's um, uh, Peter's first reaction? Yeah. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to cut off the ear of this guard or centurion or whoever it was. Uh, Which I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm leaping. But usually when someone pulls out a, a knife, they're not thinking I'm going to get your ear. So it kind of <laughs> seems like Peter came to the dude's neck and missed God. Dodge got his ear. I don't know. That's not, don't take that as inspired word of God. That's my thought on it. But <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the most subject to authority kind of guy here. No, but yet in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Notice, for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. And that's like, yes, comical, like in like a lot of uh, Peter's like actions there in the garden with Jesus, but also like thinking about the context of this letter, they are under severe, severe persecution. Like the churches at the time, both Peter like is under like threat for his life and the people he's writing to. So, I mean, like the beginning of first Peter, like, says I am writing this to elect exiles like those are people that have been like had to flee for their life um like those are big words but again it's all about that perspective um as verse 16 there live as people who are free 
and verse 15, for this is the will of God. Like they're free. We are free because of the will of God. And if, if, if we're thinking about it from our own, like protect ourselves, glorify ourselves, that is going to be nearly impossible to do. But as we've said before today, if we're, we live and think the way um, that honors and glorifies God above ourselves, then God strengthens us to be able to do things like that, even when it's hard. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, and I don't think Peter is like Peter, even when he was being bold and acts empowered by the spirit, he was still calling out leaders, specifically religious leaders in Jerusalem. But and, oh, yeah. So it's it's not I don't think Peter, if someone tells you you should go along with everything the government says, because the Bible says so, like this is not turning into a podcast where we're going to get flagged for telling you to do whatever against the government. That's not our point here. But Peter's point also wasn't, ah, just put your head down and follow no matter what. But he's saying like, we are called to, we must trust that in God's sovereignty, he has people in control when they need to be in control uh, for his purposes, whatever those purposes may be. So he's saying here, the main point is, you need to follow Jesus and live in which the way that he has called us to live and let the Holy Spirit convict as the Holy Spirit convicts. Um, because he's saying like, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He's kind of backdoor calling some of these leaders foolish. But, <laughs> That's true. But he's also saying it's not our job to just go foolish idiots, blah, 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 blah. He's saying, no, live as people who are free, honor everyone. Love their fellow believers, always fear God and honor those who are in control, knowing that they will be held to judgment by God someday. It is not our our job is to not get so caught up in that, that we forget that we're called to live in such a way that honors God, uh, to live in yep. such a way that is holy. Uh, and that's such a just a 180 turn for for Peter. Again, he's because yes. it's, it's his, his perspective has changed. He's like, I'm not going to designate my whole life into being focusing on things that aren't my main focus, which is eternity. Because if someone, you see this in Paul and Peter's life, if you want to throw me in jail, go for it. I will be content in jail because God is with me. And I will probably um, get all of the prison guard and everyone in here to become Christians. So (laughs) do as you will, uh, because my reward is in heaven, not on earth. Like you can just see, he's like, I don't care. Like God is for me, who can be against me? So honor those who are around you so that we don't miss an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Cause the gospel's for them just as it is for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I'm going to fly through a couple here so we don't Go for it. cut on all of them, but it is interesting that Peter does mention, he talks about suffering quite a bit. Um, he literally says specifically cross suffering. Yeah. So verse chapter two, uh, we're kind of still in chapter two here. Uh, it says, talking like you have been called to suffer because Christ has also, also suffered. And he says he committed no sin. Uh, and in verse 23, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Um, again, it's kind of comical. Peter's saying like, yes, I saw where Jesus could have return the revile on them. He could have smited these people. He could have done this. Shoot, I even tried to stab them, but Jesus didn't. When he suffered, 
he went through with the suffering. So therefore, like we're called to do this too. Um, and it's multiple places throughout first and second Peter. And then I think it's really neat in verse 25 of chapter two, it says, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What did Jesus tell Peter his job was to do at the end of the book of John when he's around the fire? Feed my sheep. He said, feed my sheep. And in multiple places, Peter is, you know, that stuck with him. He's saying, you were straying like sheep. I was too. <laughs> but <laughs> we have returned to the shepherd. I'm going to continue to feed you in that. In uh, verse 5, like the subheading says, shepherd the flock of God. So he's really writing to church leaders. In chapter 5, verse 2 of First Peter, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, but being examples to the flock. He's continuing to feed God's sheep. Um, mm -hmm. Like he's being faithful in that. Uh, in First Peter 3, he's talking humility, not revenge. We kind of talked about that. Peter was, hey, I'm coming for your throat. But now he's like, no, we, we need to practice humility. Um because that's that's what we've been called to walk into. Uh, one of my favorite verses in First Peter, it's been for a long time, First Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Um, Peter was very much a guy filled with fear. He let that fear in the Gospels. Uh, he let that fear turn into action, whether that was pulling out a knife or whether that was denying Jesus and running away. But here in verse 14, he says, Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of those who persecute you, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And here's the part. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. couple things there. First off, he's assuming there is a hope within you that is so evident that people ask you about it. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he's saying, do not fear and always be prepared to make a defense of the gospel. Two examples. Peter was not ready to make a defense to the teenage girl that questioned him if, she, if he knew Jesus around the fire. In Acts, he was incredibly ready and prepared to make a defense through the power of the Holy Spirit as he, on the day of Pentecost, preached. And then later he preached to the Sanhedrin saying, you're the ones who killed Christ, who God sent. Like, and now he's encouraging the other ones. Like, always be prepared but doing a gentleness and respect. And first and foremost, make sure the hope of Christ is evident within you. Yeah. Can I interrupt you just for a second? I'm here? done. Go for it. Well, what just stuck out me out to me just then, as you were talking about uh, verse 14 here, where he says like uh, suffering for righteousness sake, have no fear of them. The natural reaction that we all, including Peter, like is somewhat that fight, fight, or I think they've added freeze now, um, <laughs> response. Like, and, and I think Peter in the garden, that, that fear created that fight response. He wanted to fight uh, to protect him. With the little girl, it was like somewhat of a like flea-ish reaction, you know, denying like, well, I mean, you could, I don't know, maybe that was fat-ish too because he got defensive. Um, but even that kind of deep ingrained, like psychological reaction, God changed in him. Yep. There's so many things that we feel are like 
oh, that's a part of human nature that nature that can't be changed. That's just how I am. Wrong. (laughs) God, when we are fully surrendered to God, he has the power to literally change us from the inside out in every capacity. So surrender to him. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. There's nothing in us that can't be changed by the grace of God. That's good. He's powerful. So as we're kind of getting close on time, I kind of want to run through the the last couple of things we kind of noticed in the first and second Peter that relate back to what we've already seen. So in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, uh, he starts talking about the devil, which let's think of, remember when Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. And he told Peter, mm-hmm. like Satan wants to devour you, Peter. Like he wants to come for you, like resist him. Yes. And then here in verse eight, he says, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered for a while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his glory in Christ, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever. Like you think that didn't stick with him, that he knew Satan was coming after him. But you also know that he's saying, yeah, but I've lived through it and I've suffered. I've been in jail. I've been thrown in. I've seen this. I've been brought out of jail through angels like you're going to suffer for a little bit but resist satan and jesus will he he gets the final word um and then in second peter lastly here uh going back to chapter 1 verse 16 um he mentions the mount of transfiguration which we you talked about in the first podcast where he's basically saying hey we know that this is true like we know this cuz we're not just some people who haven't seen it but we've seen it and we have seen that. I'm sorry. This is in second Peter uh, chapter yes. one, but he's saying we have seen this happen because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from God, the voice was born to him and we heard it. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Like, don't forget that Peter's saying, I saw this stuff. You all say what you want, but I saw it. I yes. walked with Jesus. I saw Moses who and Elijah who were dead. I read about them in Sunday school class, basically, is what he's saying. But I saw them. Like, this Jesus is more than you can imagine. He's not just a character here. Like, this is Peter contending. And Second Peter, very much, we believe he's written from prison uh, when he's in Rome. Like, and Peter's kind of giving his final reminder to the churches as he even states in Chapter one, he says, I think it's right that to stir you up since I know the putting off of my body will be soon. He's like, I'm about to die. And as he's about to die, he's writing to these people, hey, avoid false teachers, put Christ first, keep pursuing him and know that suffering comes, but that it is not worth comparison to the glory that will be found in Jesus. Exactly. So kind of wrapping and and Amanda, hop in, but I'm just trying to tie us up here uh, with the book of. A couple other things we know about Peter. So we know first and second Peter, but we also believe that the book, the gospel of Mark was very much influenced by Peter. So the gospel of Mark was written by John Mark, who was not one of the original disciples, but he was very close tied to them. He went, Mark went through a lot of travels and acts with Paul and with Peter. Uh, in first Peter, we see that Paul is, or that Mark is with him. Uh, and literally the last couple verses, Peter says, and so does Mark, my son, who is with me. 
Um, so we, they were a little bit close. They were very close. I mean, he was very <laughs> much with him in house prison or more house arrest. So we believe that Mark's gospel is very much comes from the stories that Peter told Mark. Uh, I mean, think of Peter, uh, an old man getting ready to die in Rome, far, far away from home, knowing, hey, people need to know the story. This is what it is. And then Mark writes it. And um, it's just such a neat perspective of knowing that. And church history tells us that Peter was crucified in Rome. Uh, church history says he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to be killed the same way Jesus was. He's like, no, I want to be turned upside down so it's not the same as Jesus. And uh, the Catholic Church very much claims him as the first pope. Um, that's a whole other conversation. He didn't start the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church says the papacy, the pope, the office of pope is basically everything that succeeded after Peter. Peter was the first leader, so therefore it's considered that. And the the church, the biggest church there in the Vatican City, where the Catholic Church's home is, where the Pope lives, it's the Saint, the Basilica of St. Peter. And that's the historic side of where they believe that Peter was crucified, was at that spot. Uh, we, we won't know. No one will know. It doesn't really matter. We know he was killed. We know that he was killed for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, and we know that he is with Jesus now in heaven. Um, yes. But yeah, I just think it's, as we kind of wrap this up, and I'll hand over to you here in, Amanda, in a second, Amanda, it's just important, I think, for us to realize the lives of these people in the Bible that God shows. Um, it's their lives. They are human. They are people. And as we remember that, certain things in their writing, certain ways that God chose to speak through them, it jumps out and it can encourage us as well because we see their transformation. We see how God worked through them, through their life. Uh, we see how God was patient with them, had grace for them, but also empowered them through the Holy Spirit to make much of his kingdom. And even though they went through suffering, uh, they realized that suffering on earth was of nothing compared to the glory that would be shown to them through the grace that they're fixing their eyes on at the return of Jesus. So uh, we hope that this study through Peter has been encouraging to you and uh, continue to, as you read, continue to read through first, second Peter, read through the gospels, through acts, through all of this, like continually studying. But as you study, we hope this helps you kind of think through things a little more differently. I wonder what they were thinking through. Or, oh, how does this tie back to here? So that God can illuminate more of his word and his truth through these scripture and through these people thousands of years later. Exactly. And I know we're, we're like coming close on time here, but don't, please don't forget, like, these were people that were works in progress. Everything that was written here in first and second Peter, God taught Peter through life experience. God wants to teach us through every little thing that he leads us through in our life, if we will let him. But we have to surrender to him. We have to listen to him through his word, through intentional prayer time. Like we, we have to let him teach us. Um, and if we don't, then we end up spinning our wheels and like, why is this happening to me, God? Um, but God wants to draw us closer to him with every little thing that's going on and to teach us so that um, not only we might be more 
be ready um, to stand in the throne room of God someday, but that we might be able to overflow to all those that he brings in our path so that they may also experience the love and the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and peace and all the things that come with knowing God. For sure. For sure. Well, we hope you all can, we want to encourage you to keep being in the word, uh, keep following wherever he leads. And um, if you're wondering why can't, why haven't you heard from God? uh, I want to encourage you that God has spoken to you through the Bible, Uh, get in it, continue to follow, uh, get in there, see what he's speaking to you. And uh, we hope that this study in Peter, as this kind of concludes it, this episode, that it encourages you to uh, look at Scripture a little differently and to uh, hopefully be able to uh, realize the ways that uh, God wants to speak to you through the lives of those that he has chosen to be his uh, mouth, if you will, to speak to us through his word. Exactly. Ryan, will you close us in prayer here? Yeah, let's do it. God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for a technology where we can do things such as this. Uh, to hopefully encourage each other, but more than anything, to uplift you. We thank you for uh, your grace, your sovereignty, your word, that you love us, that you loved Peter, that you were faithful in Peter's life, Lord. Even from an earthly perspective, it may have seemed um, that his life wasn't so great, uh, but it absolutely was. And we're just grateful that thousands of years later, you're able to encourage us through it. Uh, God be with everyone listening to this. May you encourage them. Uh, may your spirit work through their lives. And um We just praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, this wraps up our first mini-series on Peter. Um, Be on the lookout for the next mini-series. And if you have any um, thoughts on where you would like us to go next with this next uh, character study or the next study, feel yeah, reach out to us. If you're listening on the Spotify podcast, there's a place that you can actually, um, I think, Q&A, so you can message us. There's not on Apple, but please follow us. You can always rate a review for that too, but you can also reach out to us on social media. Um, You're welcome to find us anywhere there to just give us your input because we want to, uh, we're following wherever the Lord leads. Um, That's literally why we named the podcast this. And um, yeah, so let us know, be on the lookout for that. And I hope y'all have a great day. See you all.